Well, it is the Advent season, and so with that, we're going to have an Advent reading this morning, and I've asked Jim and Ada to come up and read for us this morning, this morning's Advent, as we're kicking off the Christmas season. So if you two will come up, Jim and Ada, and light the candle and read for us, that would be great. So, Come before the Lord in a posture of humility. He delights in you. Let's delight in Him. Whether you open your hands as a sign of obedience, close your eyes to focus your mind, or kneel to center your heart, draw close to him as he draws close to you. Let's give all of ourselves to the King of Kings. We're going to begin by dropping into Hebrews, excuse me, Genesis 18, 9 through 15. And we're going to drop into the story of Abraham and Sarah and the visit of the three strangers. They said to Abraham, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. I have another section. Sorry, I was going to skip something. We're going to go to Hebrews now, 11, 1 through 16. And if you remember, that is the faith chapter. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understood that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that, that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken up, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please, please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark and became his household. By this, he commended condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundation, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, 
since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who spoke thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. What if seemingly endless delay is full of gifts you wouldn't receive any other way? What if walking in the wilderness is the point? What if waiting in the stillness is the joy? What if the roots needed to burrow down deeper so the fruit will be much sweeter? What if the waiting makes the heart grow stronger, just as absence makes the heart grow fonder? What if it's less about getting to the other side and more about the slow transformation taking place deep inside? What if the best things don't happen overnight and time is actually on your side? What if you really, truly are not in control and you can do the, all you can do is let it unfold? What if God hasn't forgotten his plans for you? He's simply inviting you to lean in and pay close attention to what he is about to do. What if, when it seems like nothing is happening at all, that's right when God is saying, I am still faithful? What if it looks really different than you thought it would, but even then, it could still be really, really good? What if it looks really different than you thought it would, but even then, it could still be really, really good. Psalm 25 now, which is a psalm of David. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his ways. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should, be, he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. 
The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. O guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all of his troubles. Which of the above what-if questions that I read, <clears throat> excuse me, which of these what-if questions ring true for you right now? How does it encourage you to hold on in hope? Prayerfully this morning, let's ask God to remind you where you have seen his faithfulness through another season of waiting in your life. Lord, I desire more of you. There are so many what-if questions in our lives. Help us to look to you before we look inward. Father, would you remind us of your character, of your incredible goodness? We individually this morning say, my hope is in you, Lord. Teach me to draw close to you so you will draw close to me. As it says in James 4, 8, amen. Done. As uh, you heard, oh, there we go. There we go. That was bound to happen at some point. Um, we are starting Advent, and so today's message is hope. And, uh, and the title is Hope, and I'm um, using an acrostic this morning. I know, I wowed the, uh, the guys in the sound booth. It doesn't happen very often and, um, that I wow them or that I even use acrostic. So if you're taking notes, leave some room in between because I'm going to give you a lot of scripture and some homework uh, along with that. But we're going to start off with hope, and obviously it starts off with H, and H is going to stand for Holy Spirit, all right? Holy Spirit, um, that's where our hope comes from, and uh, that hope in Jesus is, uh, as Ada read in, in uh, Hebrews, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And so we don't see the Holy Spirit, but we have hope in that, and so Let's look at Romans chapter 8 this morning. We're going to start off there and work our way through 2 through 29. If you're taking, uh, again, Romans chapter 8, verses 22 through 29. If you're taking notes, and I encourage you to study this throughout the week because there's a lot there that we're not going to cover this morning, but to, uh, to look at this through the lens of hope. It says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning, groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. And he's referring to that coming day when we get that new body. And I can tell you, as we age, and I just celebrated another birthday, you sang to me last week, thank you. Um, 
I think. Thank you for singing for me. I'm not sure. Some of you didn't sing. Maybe that was part of the gift. But as I'm getting older, some of you caught that really quick. I tried to slide that in there. But as I'm getting older, I'm realizing more and more that things are starting to groan and to ache. And uh, PJ reminds me when I get up in the morning, I make a lot more noises than I used to uh, getting out of bed, right? Things crackle, snap, and pop, and it's not the cereal. And so that is part of it, right? And our bodies age and things start to decay. But we have that hope, right, through the resurrection to look forward to that new body, that new glorious body that we will receive upon that completion. And so the writer here is referring to that time that is ahead, that hope that we have. Verse 24 is the key to this. It says, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what we have already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. Joe, uh, nice job setting that up, right? Praying for patience, right? You know, many times we want it now, right? We're part of that society that we want it quickly. I'm no different. I love to have and through when I want them and, and exactly in the right timing, but that doesn't always happen. And through that, God is teaching me patience. But the focus here on that hope, right? That hope that we have in Christ, we, when we are saved, we get the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? And as it says here, we can't see that, right? We can't really put our hands around it. It's a, it's a spirit, it's a person, but we, we can't touch it. We can see the work of the Holy Spirit. We can see the actions of it, but we physically can't see it. And the writer commends those that who can have hope in that, that assurance of the Holy Spirit, even yet though we don't see it. Verse 26 continues on with that same teaching. It says in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Amazingly, God knew that we couldn't do it on our own and that we are kind of feeble and what we can't see, we don't have much faith in. And so he gave us something to help us. Right? He gave us that gift of the Holy Spirit that helps us in our weakness, right? When we're struggling, when we don't know what to say, when we don't know what to do, if we're listening, we hear the Holy Spirit. It helps us in that weakness. He even gives an example here, and next it says, we do not even know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, right? Sometimes we are baffled. We don't even know where to turn. We're in our despair or in our distress, and the Spirit intercedes for us. You ever been in that spot in life where you have no idea? I'm like, Lord, I don't even know what to ask for. I'm at that point. Or I'm just done. What, what's next? Right? The Spirit intercedes for us. It helps us in our weakness. Verse 27, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Right? The Spirit is always going to lead us along the will of God. Don't miss that, right? The, it's ultimately to fulfill the will of God. What does God want for you? And he wants to help you with that. He, he knows that we need that. He knows that we, not, we sometimes we struggle in that. 
And so if we listen to the Spirit, it intercedes for us and it shows us the will of God. Verse 28, a familiar one, it says, And we know that in all things God works for good to those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. I always kind of stop at that verse. Verse 28 probably gets misquoted almost as much as it gets quoted in many ways, right? Again, it doesn't jump outside. That's why verse 27 is there. It's according to God's will. It's not the good that I think it is. It's not the good that Charlie wants, right? It's the good that God has that keeps me in his will. God's not going to give me something that's not good for me. So I can't declare that verse just because I want something good if it's not according to God's will. I can't jump outside of that. In fact, it no longer is good at that point. And again, it has to line up with his will and his purposes. I could stop. There's a whole message on that, but I'm not going to do that this morning for the sake of time. But again, study that out. In verse 29 that goes with that, it says, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Right? That part of God's will is that we become more and more like Christ in our walk. We become that example for others to follow. We become more and more, and we stay within God's will for our lives. And again, back to our acrostic, we need help with that. We need the Holy Spirit to do that for us. All right, jumping again, right? O, O is next. So if you'll turn with me, or it'll be up on the big screen. Uh, see what's next here. First John, should be, if I, yes, First John chapter 4. Again, O, O stands for others, right? It's not all about us. It's others that we need to be concerned with as well. And so we have hope not only for ourselves, but we have hope for others. And how do we live that out? So 1 John chapter 4, verse 13 starts off with, This is how we know that we live in Him and He in us. He has given us His Spirit, right? Back to age, that Holy Spirit, it's within us, and He's given it to us so that we know, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. The whole purpose of Advent, right? We are preparing for celebration to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ to this world. And so this testifies to that, right? We are testifying in that as well as when we celebrate it. Christmas is about Christ's coming as we wait for his second coming, right? Verse 15, it says, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we also know that we rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how we love, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Again, you can't get away from the fact that Jesus 
amplified what love is, right? That sacrificial love that he gave for us. Again, as much as we celebrate the birth of Christ, we also celebrate the death of Christ and his resurrection. In fact, it's appropriate this morning we're doing communion. It ties in very well, right? It's not one or the other. It's both that we celebrate. His coming and his coming again and coming for the Savior of our sins. And with that is great love. And so verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is, made, is not made perfect in love. Man, there are so many folks out there that have so many fears. Right? We see it often, right, in the, the workplace or in the stores or if you read the news, right? Fear drives a lot of folks. Yet John here is writing about a fear we do not have to have. We do not have to fear judgment, right? As believers, that price has been paid, that perfect love. And then verse 19 is where it shifts to others, right? As God takes care of us and our needs, we are to help those others around us, right? It's a sign of that love of Christ in us. It says, we love because we, he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Pretty harsh words, right? Pretty, pretty ringing, right? I, I can't say that I, I love someone, yet I hate someone else. It, it, the two can't coincide. They, they are in conflict, right? It's not a good representation, in fact, that, that word hates is something that we have to be really careful when we use it. Sometimes I think it gets overused, but again, he's talking about hating a brother, hate them, hating someone within the fellowship of Christ, another believer, that if I hate them, then I'm making a false claim about God. We would say it another way is I am not a good testimony or I'm not a good witness to what God's done in my life. goes on to say, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Again, about that faith and hope and the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of things we can't see, but we, are, we know that, and we know them by their actions, right? And so in this writing, it's saying the way that we can show God the love of God that we have within us is to love our brothers and sisters, love others, even though we haven't seen them. And he's also given this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brothers and sister. So pretty clear on what we are commanded to do here. So we have the Holy Spirit to help us. We're called to love others. P. P stands for purpose, right? So what is our purpose, right? We're to love others, but there's got to be more than that. So what is our purpose? And so, again, if you have scriptures, hopefully it'll be up there. Ephesians chapter 2, some brief verses. And again, this is not exclusively this, but it can expand on this, but it's a good beginning. And our purpose is, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, 
not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's a great passage and a great truth. It's one of the the doctrinal truths that's in Ephesians. There's a a number of them in the first three. How we are the livers, and then the rest of the the book, the rest of the three chapters explain how we are to live that out. But this is one of those doctrinal truths that we it's sometimes hard to to grasp. But we have been saved through grace, right? I did not do anything for my salvation. I was not good enough. I did not work hard enough. There's nothing I could do or even attempt to do to earn my salvation. It's a gift from God. The scripture is very clear and it, it gets kind of wrapped up and messed up if we try to do something else, right? It's also one of those hard things to do, right? It's hard to accept a free gift, Right? When someone gives us a gift, even at Christmas time, we, we give gifts, but there is an expectation. And we may not say it out loud, but we are really expecting to get a gift back, right? Or if someone gives us a certain dollar amount gift, we usually try to give a gift that either offsets it or a little bit more, right? Or maybe that's just me. Right? Right? If 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 you went to the, the tree on Christmas morning and there's only gifts for other people and there's not one for you, that would be difficult, right? We would, would frown on that. Well, it's the same thing with that gift of salvation. It's hard sometimes for us to accept that gift without trying to earn it or pay for it or to do something for it, and that's where things get sideways. But in that, there is still purpose, right? Though we don't earn our salvation, we don't work for our salvation, we are because of our salvation to do something. We have a purpose, right? It's not to just be saved and be done. That's not the end of our walk. In fact, in many ways, it's the very beginning of our walk. Sometimes a tougher part of our walk in many ways. But that purpose comes out in the fact that we are God's handiwork. He created us to work, to do works for others. Right? It goes back to that, oh, right, to others. Our purpose is to use the gift that God has given us for others, to give it away. Right? And God, in his infinite wisdom, he knew ahead of time what those works are, and how he wants to use you in it. I always say the only problem with that is we need to get on that same page, right? God knows, and God knows what we're supposed to be doing. It's, I'm usually the one that's lagging. And it kind of goes back to that listening to the Holy Spirit, right? It all is connected, right? It all stems together, right? If I'm in his will, listening to the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be doing the works that he prepared for me, it falls along with his will, his will for my life. I will also put this in here. Do not try to tell someone else their purpose in life, right? Some of you got that. Some of you are like, yep, that's a, that's a recipe for danger, right? I don't know the will for your life other than the fact that I can say God does and listen to God, Right? In fact, I almost cringe when people say, that. well, what's, what's my purpose? What does God want me to do? 
My honest answer is, I don't know. Go ask God, right? right? That's the one that we need to be both be following is God. Now, God uses people to speak into, and I understand that. But ultimately, we need to listen to God for what he has for us to do. He's the one that's prepared it. He knows the work. He's the one that's in control. All right, so we've gotten through three letters. So if you're keeping track or keeping time, there's only four in hope, and so we're kind of rounding the bend here. So H was for Holy Spirit. O was for others. P was for purpose. E is for... Ah, he's got it up there, right? Eternal life. I knew you'd have it up there. Eternal life, right? Part of that hope is that we have eternal life with Christ. And again, our, our life begins at salvation, really, for us. But that's eternal. Remember what I talked about earlier, right? The, the, the body's decaying. It's getting worn down. It's starting to show the signs of age. Joking with someone else this week about, yeah, I'm definitely on the back nine, all right? The front nine's long since gone, and I'm on the back nine. Lucas, you're still on the front nine. You're all right. <laughs> but it happens with life. But yet, we are eternal. And so, Lucas, I'm going to live as long as you are as, as a believer. So just bear that in mind, even though I'm older. Right? Life is eternal. And so it's a good reminder for us, right? Sometimes in our circumstances, we lose hope in humanity and we can lose hope in other things. But as believers in Christ, we have great hope, that hope of eternal life. And so Paul writes this here, and the church in Thessalonica wrestled with this. And in fact, they wrestled with that very fact of, hey, we're saved. Now come on and come, Jesus, come now. And meanwhile, they weren't fulfilling their purpose yet, right? And Paul had to kind of prod him, like, hey, you're not done yet, right? We don't know the time. In fact, if you read back into chapter 5, you'll see that no one knows the time or the day or the, the date of when his return. So until then, get going, is what Paul's saying here. He gives him a little friendly size 12 boot. I don't know if Paul had size 12 or not. I, I'm just assuming he did because I have size 12. But, verse 4, let me get back to Scripture before I get in any trouble here. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should, not surprise, should surprise you like a thief. Should not surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others. Who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. I think I've often told this story, but when I was a police chaplain, I, I had this question early on because when I, I came on, it was a small force in Ticonderoga, New York, and there was only seven officers. And I always said, Why is there only one officer on during the day? You know, there were seven to three shift. And they would say, well, there's not much that goes on. I said, but that's when everybody is awake. But that's the time of day when things, there's not that many crimes committed during the day. You see, at, from 3 to 11, they would put on two officers. And 11 to 7, they would put on two more. Because they knew what is almost spoken here. Crime happens under the cover of darkness, right? That's when people steal. That's when people do things wrong is at nighttime. 
when they hopefully can't be seen. And so Paul here is saying, hey, you're not to be like that. You're children of the light. You should be visible during the day. And so he's waking them up, shaking them a little bit, and saying, hey, you are to be different than the world. Right? You are to live as though you are believers. There's a difference here. It's not be saved and wait. It's be saved and live that out. So verse 8, he contrasts that. He says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Again, he doesn't go through the full armor as he does in Ephesians, but you get the idea. And again, it would have been a reminder. They read that letter already in, in Ephesus, and so they would know that, oh yeah, Paul's talking about that spiritual battle that's going on, and he's saying be ready, right? Highlighted here, you need these things. You need that armor put on. And again, highlighted here is that hope of salvation. That changes everything and how we look at this world and how we live that out because of that hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that assurance that we read in Hebrews. Verse 9 goes on to say, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. There's that eternal life that we have, right, in Christ. We are, as believers, we are assured of our salvation and that we are going to live with him forever. And if you have that message, you have that news, verse 11 goes, very, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you're doing. Paul was encouraging them because they were doing the right thing. They, that part they had and were doing very well, right? They had the gospel message. They knew their salvation. They were saying, come, Lord, as we sang this morning, Emmanuel, come, right? Come be with us, right? Encourage one another. Encourage each other with that news, right? Don't forget that you are eternal. Heaven awaits us as believers, and build each other up. Another term for encouragement, right? We are to encourage one another. And so with that in mind, hope. Hope is the message we have this morning. Hope is the message that we can take to others around us, right? Because we have the Holy Spirit. We certainly have others around us that are believers and like us. We also have others that we need to take it to. God's given us a purpose, right? He's prepared a work for us to do. And we've taken, we have eternal life in Christ. And so the gospel is being taken to those who do not believe. And so may you have hope this morning. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the message of hope. Lord, we thank you for the salvation that we have that through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we can be saved. We thank you for paying that penalty on the cross for our sins. Lord, may we be encouraged as brothers and sisters in Christ. 
that this world is not all that there is, Lord, that we have eternity to spend with you. We thank you for that gift. Lord, may we lean upon the Holy Spirit to guide and direct our steps throughout the rest of today and throughout the rest of this week and beyond. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.